Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grawn, New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and close to us, sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Buka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan and I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 66 of the Irish storytelling podcast. We are coming to you from isolation, from quarantine once again. I am not in the beautiful surroundings of the Head Stuff Podcast Network Studios in Dublin. I'm at home in my family home in Wicklow Town, where I've spent the last... We're now entering week three of the, the quarantine due to the the attempt to flatten the curve of the coronavirus across the country. And indeed, across the world, the whole world is on lockdown but hopefully it's working and hopefully it's getting results and hopefully the effort we make, we put in now, the sacrifices we all make now into giving up our various jobs and social activities, hopefully this will pay off immensely in the long run. And hopefully that this podcast can be, those of you that listen to it, this can be one more thing that can get you through a little bit more of each day in quarantine. And that is why I feel very fortunate to be able to continue this podcast during during this time that I have the equipment to set up my own little home studio. Although I cannot wait to get back uh, into the regular studio and get back to normality, as I'm sure we all can't. I hope you've all been keeping well, keeping your sanity. I hope you've all been able to keep uh, some sense of uh, routine, those that aren't working, that are isolated at home. I know myself, the... I'm someone who's the isolation is suited uh, somewhat more than perhaps it would others in that I'm very used to working on my own and used to being on my own and I enjoy I enjoy solitude quite a lot um, and so I've definitely found keeping a kind of routine with some semblance of exercise and then keeping away with my own work with my own writing and obviously keeping up, up to date with this podcast these are the things that have really helped me get through the week's um, and are going to get me through the next couple of weeks as well. So I hope that you are all doing something similar. Those of you that are still in work, fair play to you, fair play to be able, being able to go in, and I hope you're all safe in there, especially if there are any listeners who work on the front line in the health service. My God, the entire country and indeed the entire world salutes you. And I hope that if you do listen to this podcast, whether it's to go to sleep or it's to commute in the morning, that it can get you through a little bit more of that day. And hopefully hopefully those of you that are listening to this podcast in a six months or a year's time, who are perhaps new listeners, who will be only catching up then, 
hopefully this will all be a, an absolute distant memory or certainly not a distant memory because I don't think we'll ever forget this one but that it will be in the past and that we will all be back in the pub which we will never ever ever underestimate ever again or underappreciate indeed of course if this is your very first time listening I'd be surprised if this was their first episode to listen to it but if it is listen to this episode or maybe listen to this introduction and maybe go back to the very beginning of the podcast all those episodes ago come back in episode one and see what we've been building up to over the last year year and a half nearly and if you enjoy it keep listening if you really enjoy it follow me on instagram at fireside bard all one word best place to keep up to date with this podcast and what i'm doing personally and if you really enjoy the podcast now, there has never, really, really never been a better time to become a patron of this podcast, patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast. I'm very fortunate that I can continue the podcast during this time, as I, like so many others, have lost a significant amount of work and gigs due to the virus. A lot of hopefully will be able to be rescheduled and will come back around. Those that listened last week will know that I had to cancel the upcoming live show. So I'm very for- fortunate to be able to even continue the podcast um, so that indeed means that uh, the support of the Patreon has never been more appreciated or more important. But as always, if you are not in a position that you can't, or you just like listening to this podcast for free, that is also fine. I listen to plenty of podcasts for free myself, and it's an egalitarian model that it's there for if you want. But I just want to uh, lend a particular thanks this week to our two new podcast, our two new patrons of the week which is uh, Kevin McCaffrey and Christina Fitzsimons. Sorry, my microphone slipped off its little stand there. Uh, thank you so much to you two, and you joined the ranks of, uh, certainly in the last months, to Nick Nick Killison and Ben Clifford, Keenan Daly and Emily Brady have been the the patrons that have joined in the last month and I really 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 appreciate it especially at this difficult time where a lot of people can't work and a lot of people don't have any income coming in so it has never meant more to me for you to contribute any amount to this podcast this is very long introduction but these are difficult these are different times and you know this podcast now will become this episode will become a time capsule to this period where we were all underground in hiding but I'm going to get to the story now because this is we continue the Ulster cycle of Irish mythology as we wind down the Ulster cycle the final few stories now this is a second part of a two-parter which is the champions portion as you've seen from the the title the first part of the the champions portion was the story of Bikru's feast of Cucullan of uh, Lera Buyach and Conal Carnach as they fought it out over who would get the champion's portion at Bikru's feast, the sour host who was trying to cause trouble amongst the Red Branch Knights. And this is the second part and the conclusion of that tale of how the champion's portion was finally decided. And this is the champion's portion part two, a trial of beheading on Fireside. <laughs> The Champion's Portion Part 2 A Trial of Beheading The feast at Bickrew's Banquet Hall had caused great consternation among the Red Branch Knights of Ulster. There, the bitter, sour host Bickrew had invited King Kunkabar Magnassa and all his warriors to a mighty feast. But Bickrew had a plan. 
to cause division and blood in the Red Branch. Bikru had told three warriors, Lera Buyach, Conal Kernach, and Ku Cullen, that they were all entitled to, and should all fight for, the champion's portion of the feast. By the end of the dinner, it appeared that Ku Cullen was the obvious winner, but neither Lera Buyach nor Conal Kernach would accept this. So Konkabar's wise advisor, Shanka, made the decision that the champion's portion of the feast should be divided equally among all the assembled warriors, and that which of Conal, Lera, and Kukulun would deserve it forevermore would be decided another day. And another day it would have to be decided, for the matter being still disputed ate away at Ulster's three contenders, which in turn spread down through the ranks of all the Red Branch Knights. Fights broke out every night, which went right back up to King Konkobar himself, who said to Shanka, Enough. Let this matter be put to bed. How will we decide this? And after a good deal of thought, Shanka replied to the king, We must send them to Ku Roy Macdara. Ku Roy Macdara was another king in Ulster, who was a great and powerful sorcerer, it was thought that he would be the one who could conjure sufficient trials to decide the fate of the champion's portion. But when Ku Cullen, Conal Kernach, and Lera Buyak arrived at the house of Ku Roy, they found he was not there. He had left command of his keep to his daughter, Blonneth. The three warriors approached the Queen Regent. Welcome, warriors of the Red Branch. My father frequently travels the world in search of new wonders and treasure, but so powerful is he that he protects this keep wherever he is in the world. Every night, this home is attacked by a whole manner of horrible creatures attempting to steal the essence of my father's power. But this whole fort is enchanted, and when nightfall comes at the end of each day, this entire home spins around like a wheel, and all of the entrances and exits are blocked and jumbled up so that no one comes in and no one goes out. The only thing that remains is a tall tower in the centre, which is fit for one man only. So the challenge to you three is this. Whichever of you can man that tower and defend our home for one whole night will earn the right to the champion's portion. The three warriors were all satisfied and welcomed this challenge. Lera Buyak took the first night. When nightfall came, he stood outside the fort and watched as like the pieces of an ancient puzzle, the fort spun and contorted until it was an unrecognizable shape with no windows or doors. The only thing that remained the same was the single tower at the centre. Lera Buyak climbed to the top and prepared for the night. It was eerily quiet for a time. Lera looked out into the distant plain and saw not even the light of a torch or the sound of movement through the wind. What Lera should have been looking for was the sea. For from the calm of the current emerged an enormous giant, carrying in his hefty arms the trunk of an old oak tree, which he wielded like a hurley. He began to swing his weapon at the one lone sentry, but Lera Buyak spotted the ogre just in time to duck. Lera began to hurl arrows and daggers at the monster, but could not seem to hit him. Large as he was, the giant evaded all shots fired. 
Lara grew tired, and confined to his tower, there was nowhere for him to move out of the way to. The giant eventually got close enough to grab Lara between his colossal hands and launched the warrior high into the air like a human slither and pelted him with the hurl over Kuroi Macdara's fort. The giant then returned to the waves. The next morning, Lara Buyak returned inside the fort feeling like a failure but soon discovered that because all the windows and doors had been sealed, no one had seen what had happened. They had just all heard the sound of the fighting, and the sound of Lara landing on the far side of the fort. The people inside all assumed that following on from defeating his enemy, Lara Buyak had sought to prove his prowess further by leaping over the entirety of the tall and broad home of Kuroi Macdara. And when Lara Buyak heard this, he said nothing to oppose it. Oh yes, he lied. It was it was too easy, if anything. The following night, Colonel Kiernock stood outside the fort, watched it contort and transform, climbed into the tower and prepared for battle. He met the same giant and had as much luck fighting him. Colonel Kiernock was the largest of the three warriors, and so the giant had more purchase on using him for sport, and battered Connell over the keep just as he had done Lara Buyak. When Connell Kiernock returned the next morning, he too claimed to have slain the giant and leapt over the fort, and no one could prove him wrong. Then it was Cucullin's turn. The Hound of Ulster stood outside, marvelled at the enchantment of the fort, and climbed to his station. But Cucullin instantly saw torches over the hill, as nine warriors charged Kuroi's home. Cucullin called to them, Stop, unless you want to die this night. They did not stop, and Cucullin launched arrows at them with such strength and ferocity he took the heads off all nine of them. This happened twice more, where two times nine soldiers charged and two times nine soldiers lost their heads. Cucullin was beginning to sweat when he turned to see the giant had emerged from the waves. The giant went to grab Cucullin as he had done the previous two warriors, but Cucullin ran up the giant's arm with his sword and sliced the monster's head clean off his neck. As the sun was about to rise, with his last breath of strength, Cucullin performed his mighty salmon leap over the fort of Kuroi Macdara and landed safely on the other side. When morning came, and Blonid could see the trail of severed heads and blood painted across the plain, the evidence was clear, and Cucullin was declared the winner. But once again, Lera Buyach and Conal Kiernock would not accept this. Cucullin must have had help from his friends from the other side, they argued. Cucullin would not argue with them. He was above that. But once again, the fate of the champion's portion was not decided. Sometime later, there was another great feast held at Eamon Macha at the court of King Kunkabar Macnassa. Conor Kiernach was guarding Ulster's borders and Cucullin was at home with his wife Emer. Otherwise, all of the Red Branch Knights were in attendance, including Lera Buyach. In the middle of dinner, the feast was interrupted by the arrival of a strange creature. He was long and tall and wore a cowhide around his waist. Half man and half ogre, he carried a broad, sharp 
axe and introduced himself as Ulf the Stranger. I have traveled the length and breadth of this island in search of a man of honor, and I have not yet met one. So I have come to Ulster, where they say the bravest and most honorable men live. My challenge is this, for a warrior to come and use this axe to chop my head off. Then the next day, to allow me to return, and return the favor by chopping his head off. The entire assembled host looked at each other in confusion. Was this creature mad, or was this some trick? Is there no one here who accepts my challenge? mocked Oof. Lera Buyak stood up and announced, I will. The Ulster contender approached Oof the stranger, who set up a chopping block between them. He handed Lera the axe and then knelt down to accept his fate. Raising the axe high above him, Lera Buyak brought the blade down and cut off the stranger's head in one clean stroke. The head landed on the ground with a thud and a pool of blood began to form on the floor. The Red Branch Knights began to cheer, but the applause abruptly stopped when the body of Oof the Stranger stood up, picked up the severed head and replaced it back on the top of his neck like it was a goblet that had fallen off the table. Lara stood dumbfounded. I'll see you tomorrow, said the stranger, and he took his axe and left Eamon Maka. Lara Buyak was terrified. He was smart enough to know he probably didn't have the same head restoration powers that this strange creature had. With little option left, Lera Buyak ran away. When Uwe the Stranger returned the next day and realized what had happened, he began to mock Ulster. So it seems the heroes of Ulster are just as cowardly as the rest of this miserable wet island. Conal Kernock was present this time and couldn't stand to hear Ulster spoken of in such a way. I will accept your challenge, he said, and grabbed the axe off the stranger. Uov once again kneeled down, and swiftly Connell Kiernock cut off his head, and then cut the severed head into two further pieces. This would surely do the trick. But as before, Uov's headless body picked up the pieces, replaced his head, and told Connell Kiernock he would see him tomorrow, if he dared. Connell Kiernock did not dare, and he too ran away. And so the matter was left, as these matters always were, in the hands of Ku Cullen. The Hound of Ulster had heard of the goings-on and returned to Eamon Macha to face Uv the Stranger. Ku Cullen cut off the creature's head and hurled it into the rafters of Eamon Macha, but the corpse just climbed back up there and fished it out. Then he told Ku Cullen, I probably won't see you tomorrow, as you're probably just as much of a coward as the other two. Ku Cullen was no coward. But Ku Cullen was also human. He was terrified of meeting his end in this way. Executed like a criminal, instead of in the glory of battle. He wept that he would never see Emer again. But Ku Cullen would rather have died with honor than lived as a coward. 
And so the next day, when Uv the stranger returned, Ku Cullen was there to face him. The Hound of Ulster slowly kneeled down and laid his head on the block. He held his arms outstretched and demanded Uv do his duty. The stranger raised the axe high over Ku Cullen's neck and brought it down right beside his head, missing him entirely. Cucullin looked back up in confusion, and standing there, holding the axe, was Ku Roy McDara. Congratulations, Hound of Ulster. This was your final task. You have proved yourself to all of Ulster that you are, and always will be entitled to, the champion's portion. And if either of those two cowards out there, or anyone else for that matter, dares to dispute this again, they will meet their end by my hand. And that is how the fate of the champion's portion of Ulster was finally decided. To be continued. And that is the story of the champion's portion of Ulster on Fireside. A really, really interesting tale. Two parts to the tale. I quite liked these. Oh no, my banjo fell on the ground. How often? How often can you say that in a sentence? Maybe this. Okay, I fixed my banjo. Yeah, what I like is that these this story is a two-parter. It's actually a three-parter in a lot of versions. If Believe it or not, in the middle section, uh, Cúchulainn, Connacht Cairnach, and Lara Buiach go to Connacht to visit Queen Maeve and King Isle. But, and they have another couple of trials by them. But I felt it was stronger with these two points. I just keep it centred on Bikru and on um, and on Kuroi McDara. Because especially... Them going to visit Connacht maybe works well if you have this story before the Thawn, and absolutely any of these stories could come in any order. But for the sake of the order that we have ended up going in with this podcast, I thought it would seem a bit strange just to casually go back to Queen Maeve and King Alan, and I thought it worked stronger as these these two parts, which very much feel like they could they do stand alone as well because it's such a simple concept just the idea of deciding the champion's portion it certainly does make much more sense to tell this story before the ton because how in god's name would Cullen have to prove himself more to anybody there was probably just a little bit of an alarming jump there folks i'm so glad i spotted that straight away my memory card was full um that i was recording on and I literally just got another flash just saying memory card full. And I just had to very quickly delete something from there. Which, thank God, I uh, was able to just cut back into the straight into the file. Uh, the old Zoom H4N. It's great. Great little bit of gear. And I am not a very technically minded person. So it's the fact that I just, even I could spot that is happy days. Because I remember when I was recording this podcast in America last year on the road. That I... Uh, 
I was recording a podcast and I paused it to go and look something up that I was referencing and then I recorded about half the rest of the episode and I realized I wasn't recording it so I was literally just talking in a room to myself which it can feel like I am doing anyway but at least when it's recording I feel eventually someone will be listening to it but that could have been the case there but thank god I was able to just delete an earlier file and keep going um but yes, this story, this part of the story, so we get introduced to Kuroi McDara, who is this sorcerer figure that I haven't come across before, and his amazing changing house, which seems like some kind of combination from something out of uh, Pan's Labyrinth and like the staircases in Hogwarts, this idea of this warping, contorting a house that protects itself by blocking all its entrances and exits and jumbling them up is is such an incredible, incredible image. The idea of this just trickster sorcerer king traveling around the world and having this house full of magic and treasures that all sorts of monsters constantly covet and leaving his daughter to rule it. And then he takes the form of this this half-ogre, long demon creature, which again seems like something out of Beowulf, it seems like Grendel or something at the end, this horrible misshapen creature comes in and it is in fact Uv in disguise and this brilliant trial of uh, cutting the head off and then asking to be let you to cut someone's head off only on the on the terms that they can then cut your head off, which I won't spoil anything, which just reminds me a huge amount of the Neil Gaiman novel American Gods, which has a pretty major element to it that uh, certainly the novel does uh, to something that anyone who has read the book will know immediately what I'm talking about. Not directly in terms of, uh, but something very similar to that kind of bargain in it, um, which is interesting that it's obviously this, like so many stories does, travel across different mythologies and different folklores because American Gods, for anyone who hasn't read it, I advise you to. It's a very strange book. As I frequently say, I'm an enormous, enormous Neil Gaiman fan. Um, American Gods was a very worthwhile experience as he touches on so many different different mythologies and folklore. Um, But it's quite... It's definitely not for everyone. Um and the the TV adaptation actually of it isn't bad. Uh, I've actually I've only seen the first series and a half, but I've actually enjoyed it quite a lot. Um but yeah, no, there is an element in that that if people have read it, they'll know what I'm talking about of the idea of I will let you cut my head off if you can let me cut your head off tomorrow. And that just echoed there. But there's something, yeah, in that very, there's something almost Norse or Viking about this, you know, this tale of banquet halls and the proving who's the mightiest. It gets very, it gets very Nordic, which I I really like. It does, it seems to exist in a different, it's a different kind of story as part of the Ulster cycle, which is why it's so brilliant that so many stories from the Ulster cycle have survived that we do get these various different kinds of tales. And this is, again, these are two stories that I didn't really know of at all. And the images conjured in them and characters like Bikru and just introduced the 
the world of the Red Branch Knights and the world of the Ulster Cycle being padded out with extra characters like Lair Buyoch and Conor Kiernock and Shanka, Kungavar uh, McNass's advisor. These just continue to flesh out this world so much in such a gorgeous way. But that is that. That is that story for the week. That is the end of another episode. I'm delighted I was able to salvage that episode by continuing the recording. Oh, I'm so happy I spotted that. Fair play, Zoom H4. Someone is smiling on me. So if you enjoyed the podcast, please do like, subscribe, leave ratings, wherever you'd want to do any of that. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Please do leave me ratings, subscribe to it. Uh, Follow me on Instagram at FiresideBard, all one word. Send me messages if you have any thoughts um, or comments on the podcast, any kinds of stories you'd like to hear, especially at this time. I really do want to be able to help in any way I can. And if any of you out there have any suggestions, for us all getting through this I am happy to help out in any way I can uh, if you really want to support the podcast you can of course do so at the Patreon patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast and thanks so much to Alan and Patty up at Headstuff for continuing to put out this podcast to Jamie my editor and thank you so much to all of you for listening and until next time I'll you'll see me all I'll hear you <laughs> I'll see you all and you'll hear me next time around the fireside thank you and goodbye This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.